1: This is On Boys Parenting Podcast. We are your co-host, Jennifer L.W. Fink, mom of four boys. And I'm Janet Allison, teacher
0: of many more. Thanks for joining us as we share real talk about parenting, teaching, and reaching tomorrow's men. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Are you struggling with anxiety or depression, or maybe you don't even know what to call it? A lot of us are, but you do not have to struggle alone. BetterHelp, that's H-E-L-P, brings counseling to you. You don't have to go anywhere, perfect for this time that we're in. Counseling sessions are available via video conferencing, phone, or even text. You won't have to waste hours looking for a counselor that fits. BetterHelp will pair you with a licensed therapist based on your own unique needs. It doesn't matter where you live. BetterHelp is available worldwide. And here's the best part. Onboys listeners get 10% off your first month. So don't delay. Get some help. Go to betterhelp.com slash onboys. Jen, there are so many podcasts out there. How do you ever know which ones to listen to?
1: It's overwhelming. You want a parenting podcast, there's about 80 billion of them, give or take. We
0: also know that there are some really, really good ones out there. We've chosen a few to highlight.
1: This is one of our favorites
2: wondering when and how to talk to your boy about sex? If so, you're probably worried about doing it too soon or too late, giving them too much information, how porn is going to influence how they feel and how they see this important part of life. My name is Amy Lang and I am a parenting and sexuality expert and the proud mama of one very sweet boy. I can help you learn how to support your boy as he navigates the confusing world of sexuality, love, and relationships. On my advice column style podcast, Just Say This, I answer questions from parents about how to have the sex talks. Sex positive and lively, my goal is to help you gain the confidence you need to help your boy totally rock this important part of life. As one mom said, Amy is covering topics I didn't even think to talk about. It's so helpful to think that by listening to her every week, I'm going to avoid that deer-in-the-headlights look when these things come up. You can listen in at all the usual places and get more help at birdsandbeesandkids.com. If you have a question about talking to your boy, give me a call two zero six nine two six one five two two. 206 926 That's 206-926-1522, and you can leave me an anonymous voicemail. Our guest today is a single mom and a
0: powerhouse. She's mom to two kids, along with being a business journalist, a gender equity activist, an author, and founder of the world's largest online platform for single moms, WealthySingleMommy.com. With about 10 million single moms in the U.S. alone, she helps mamas with career, money, business, parenting, and relationship advice, and has built an incredibly supportive and inclusive community. She speaks on women's issues, including at the United Nations Summit for Gender Equality and is the founder of Moms for Shared Parenting, an activist organization aimed at making equally shared parenting the norm in both culture and policy. Whether you are a single mom or not, dear listeners, I think you are going to be inspired and excited by today's conversation. Welcome, Emma Johnson. Thanks so much for having me. So you're raising a son and a daughter and, you know, how are things going right now? Honestly, I try to focus on the fact that I really
3: have nothing to complain about while also, you know, complaining nonstop. So,
1: uh... (laughs) That is the most real thing that I have heard a parent say in a while. Thank you. Yes. I realize that compared to so many people, life is great right now. I realize that, but it's also hard sometimes.
3: It, It is. And, you know, it's also with my kids, it's like they're going through it and, you know, acknowledging their real feelings, but also be like, okay, <laughs> these are first world problems. We're okay. We are okay. So we have we had a change of scenery. We live in New York City, my kids and I, and uh, we are lucky to have the option to come out to my boyfriend's house in the Poconos. Which is out in the woods, about two hours away from our house. So we have more space. We're out in the woods. We look outside. We see wild turkeys mating, and deer, and fox, and hawks. And that comes to science,
1: Emma. It's yes. science class. That's
3: right. The turkeys were having a go at it the other day. My boyfriend cranked up Barry White. That was the kids. Oh my gosh! Aww. I realized my kid did like my son got like half his assignments done this week. So I'm like well, all right, we'll do better next week. That'll be, that's fine.
1: He's that's in fourth grade. It's Can we talk about that for a moment? Yeah. I don't know about you, Janet, but I'm hearing that from so many people, right? Like staying on top of this is hard. And I don't want to generalize too much, but this is on boys podcast. And so many boys struggled with schoolwork and getting it done and completion problems even before. And as we've said, like, it's not going to magically get better now that they're at home. Right. And then There's this meme going around that a lot of the moms I know are totally laughing at because it's like Maury Povich and it's like, "Uh, it says here, your child told you he completed all of his assignments. That's a lie. (laughs) The moms and boys I know think that's hilarious, but then I have somebody else in in my world who's like, don't tell me you're too busy to check on your kid's schoolwork. You're not too busy. And I'm like, "Um, yes, yes, actually I am. Yes. And yeah. it's really not my job to make sure that they do their work. I mean, I can only do so much. How do you feel, Emma?
3: Uh, I I feel like I'm figuring this out day by day. So I feel like I started out this whole process a little bit too much of a hard ass with my kids and not recognizing. how. I mean, they're self-educating. That's crazy. You know, and I just, my son had such a hard time earlier this week, one day, he just, he just shut down, you know, like he'd been Mm -hmm. up in his room for like three hours, supposedly doing homework while I'm busy working and thinking he's being self, you know, directed. And it turned out he was like, just put his head down on his desk and didn't do anything. And Mm -hmm. it was so overwhelmed. He just shut down. It was heartbreaking, you know? And I was like, you know what? I go, here's the thing, you know, I go, Lucas, you're self-teaching and that's not normal. I said, I, I mean, I've worked from home for 15 years. Most people, adults don't even like to work from home. Most adults prefer to go into an office and have social interaction, have structure, have people to interact with. And I'm like, and you're a kid, you know? So in terms of, is it my responsibility? Is it my time? Do I have the time? The reality is I do have the time. And I think we can make the time because what does it involve? For our kids older than, I don't know, you guys are probably better at child development but I think after a certain age we can expect them to be pretty self-directed but what's it doesn't really take that much time to go in and check on them yeah. or how well them to- it depends
1: i mean remember yeah. i have 4 kids you have 2 i have double as many kids to check on and i'm fortunate in that my work has dramatically increased this month so yeah. my big point is like compassion people compassion rather yeah. than judgment because like you said Emma we're all figuring this out Kids yes, too. we're all
3: figuring this out, and we're not educators. And I don't really know anything about child development. Like, I my job is to make sure my kids are breathing at the end of the day, and they get like a hug once a month.
0: <laughs> so, I mean, this highlights the issue of single moms. And I had a a mom in my Boys Alive Facebook group wrote to me, and she said, "You know, school was a big part of my support system. I don't mm-hmm. have that anymore," and. The reality is I can't do it. I'm barely like holding on to my job. And like you said, you know, my child is breathing at the end of the day and has, you know, had macaroni and cheese or something. So so let's really talk about those moms or dads that are doing this solo.
3: Well, I don't know. I mean, my baseline, look, there's all the statistics out there that, you know, single parents are. Statistically poor, statistically more stressed out. But, P.S., I mean, my business is really the um, search, SEO search engine optimization slash affiliate business. So, um, it's which is a fascinating sociological barometer because people are getting divorced. And I know that because they're searching for and finding my is my spouse ready for divorce article and clicking on my links to buy online divorce. Support products. So that is real. So if you are in a two parent household or two adult household, it's probably pretty tense. There's a lot of tension in that family. So there's, you know, to make giant, gross sweeping generalizations that it's harder for single parents is not really doing any of us any favors. Though, you know, the data plays out that those are, those are, there are stresses that are statistically specific to single parent households. Um, But I'm not interested in going down the path to like, you know, have a, pity Olympics that single parents have it harder.
1: Oh gosh. No, absolutely not. No. One of the big challenges for me when I was a single parent was I had already been doing, you know, a lot of the, the childcare stuff. I had that down pat, but trying to do that while also earning enough money to keep your family afloat, it can be done. I mean, you are a living example of that. And so am I, and so are so many other people. But when you get one piece of support taken away from you, such as school, which so many of us do rely on as childcare, as a break for ourselves, as uh, extracurricular enrichment, socialization for both our kids and ourselves, that gets a little bit challenging.
3: Oh, 100%. I'm not taking that away one single bit at all. And there is the loneliness factor, right? Like fighting with your spouse is still social interaction. There you go. (laughs) It is. It's, it's challenging, and the reality is that most single parents, single moms, you know, in my community, are doing it financially all alone. Even if there is child support, it's minimal. We know nationwide the um, average sum of child support that is ordered by a court is four hundred dollars a month, and only forty percent of that is actually paid. So, so single parents are financially independent. They are doing it all on their own. So then, what we find is these really challenging situations where even if people are employed you know, 50% of millennials are unemployed right now. Mm
1: -hmm. And,
3: uh, even if you are employed, you might be making very, very hard decisions between working and childcare. Childcare centers are closed. They might be unsafe, uh, limited hours, just untenable for all, all the different reasons. Um, because the reality is, is that, uh, essential jobs are often on traditional hours, healthcare workers, uh, transportation yeah. workers. These are 24-hour jobs. So it's just very, and we are looking at the tip of the iceberg at that. We're, we're now in the uh, healthcare crisis, which, you know, I, what I'm teasing out from listening to the experts 24 hours a day, for better or worse, is, you know, it seems like this is, does, will have an end in sight, but the economic fallout is is going to be such a longer, a longer journey for the whole world, a global, a global journey.
1: One of the things that you have emphasized both professionally and and personally, I know you found it useful, is building up your systems of support, being positive and being focused on what you can do. So what are some tips that you can share with single parents that are applicable during a pandemic and not during a pandemic?
3: Well, so if we're all worried about money, right? Like that is such, if you have a job, you're terrified you're going to lose it. Uh, If you do have a job, probably your hours cut back. You are very likely to have gotten laid off, furloughed. Uh, It's just so terrifying for most people. And this is the time, to your point, of networking. I know I am reaching out to folks all day long. People are reaching out to me. and. Don't be ashamed. Everybody, that that's the beauty. So talking about single parenthood, it's often, like I live in New York City where it's like a zillion professional single moms, but most of America is, it's very easy to find yourself to be a social pariah and a single parent. So the challenges of single parenthood are often very one of isolation and that trickles into so many things. If you are in a community that really celebrates the stay at home, full-time stay at home mom, It's very hard to get excited Mm -hmm. about building a big career and feeling good about putting your kids in childcare and just going for it because you're not surrounded with people that are going to support that. Now, switching it, the challenge now is a global one. It is universal. We are all afraid for our health. We are all afraid for financial security short-term. We're all afraid for the economy. We are all into this together, so it strips away all that shame. There is just no shame. It's just this universal fear, which is can be beautiful. If you are afraid about your job, everybody else is too. Call those old colleagues. How are you doing? How's your family? What's going on in the industry? What's going on right now in your company? What do you see going on in two months, in one year? What's your sense of things? I'm really terrified for my job. Where do you think there might be work? And having those conversations. And helping people too, and being open, being like, "This is what I'm hearing." This is some article I read that I thought was interesting. I got actually called by a career a recruiter, but it's not for me. How about this for you? Help
1: people mm-hmm,
2: live.
3: Mm-hmm. Like it is crazy. Like I, people come back to me and we'll do something. I'm like, "Oh, I really appreciate that." Like, "Oh, you helped me out like five years ago or something," and they remember, and I forgot. You know, the people do remember those things. And even if it's not quantifiable, it's just those good vibes. They come. They just yeah. come back in a time when we really need them the most.
0: Yeah, I like the I like what you said about just stripping away the shame. Like we're that's just so 2019, right? We're we're done with that and it's time to step into this is the new reality for everyone. There is no divide. Yeah, there is no
3: divide and well, there is a divide, right? We're three educated white upper middle yeah, class women. That's true. That's this true. is the divide. Yep. Yeah. And therefore I, I'm calling on you, the three of us and all of our peers who are probably disproportionately women listening to this are following in that demographic. We mm-hmm. have an obligation to do more and give more.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: We are privileged. And yeah. I mean, I appreciate that we're, you're worried about your money and you're worried about your budget and your job and your career and your 401k, but P.S. you have a 401k that is privileged.
1: Yeah. Think about what you can do. And I know that's something that you've um, focused on with Wealthy Single Mommy too. Like, yes, you may be terrified for your personal future economically and socially, and you don't know what's next, but give, give too, because Mm -hmm. there's positive ripple effects all over the place from that. And
3: everybody has something to give. You actually do have money to give. I mean, my favorite metric is one that is just, where do you dispose of your garbage? Garbage is a symbol of it's waste. It's excess. And we yeah. have more excess in this country, in this world than we know what to do with it, it is a problem. There is excess. And it is interesting these times we're not shopping. Just think about how well you're doing without shopping, right? And how much money you're saving, how little waste our cleaner skies are. You can see the clouds and the stars and blue skies over our filthy cities. It's insane. So, uh, yeah, one little tip from my book you might be referencing it's like even when things are dark, I always encourage women to make like a set up an automatic donation, whether it's to your local NPR station or your, your house of worship, whatever it is. So when you're going through your budget every month, you're like, I have $15. I have access. There is abundance in my life and I will grow from here and money. And it's time. Now we do have time, right? We're not commuting. Uh, we're not shopping where there's, we're on lockdown. So what can you give in terms of, can you check in on your neighbor?
2: Can mm-hmm. you call
3: an older person in your life that just might be lonely and just say, how's it going? Like, what would you watch on TV today? Mm-hmm. Um, these are ways of giving back. that can be so meaningful, So another person that are doesn't really it doesn't cost you any money, but it also doesn't cost you emotional or intellectual or time resources Mm -hmm. either.
0: Much. Yeah. And I mean there's so many as you gave some great ideas. And we have a local coffee shop here with limited hours. And I go in and buy a twenty dollar cup of coffee to support the local businesses. Yeah. It is easy and looking around for opportunities to do that.
3: Yes. And think about the people that depend on you financially. Maybe I mean I run a business, so I make sure that you know people are still getting paid by me. But it's also like I have a cleaning lady who I don't need, it, but you know, she's getting paid. Maybe you have a child care worker and maybe you're not paying them the full amount, but recognize that was in your budget before, mm-hmm, and they mm-hmm. took care of you. They took care yeah. of you. You know, there's a whole working labor uh, class in this country, often uh, not immigrant, you know, not documented or underdocumented, mm-hmm. underpaid. And those and of many us. Many are
1: single parents also. So. Single
3: parents. And it's not, you know, whatever. Is it charity? I don't know. It's like you have it, they don't.
0: Spread it around. Spread it around. That's a good idea. Speaking of spreading it around, let's talk about co parenting and especially (laughs) co parenting in these times. I know I have some families here in Portland that the dad has different ideas about what social isolation means than the mom does, and the kids are going back and forth. And so there's been some conversation around safety in
1: that way. I like cute clothes. armoir dot style slash that's armoire.style, a r m o i r e dot style slash on boys to get fifty percent off your first month and never have to worry about what to wear again try armoire today One of the most challenging things about being a woman at midlife is realizing, For way too many people, the answer seems to be, yep, that's the way it is. Deal with it.
0: Mm -hmm. Deal with it. And not only are our mamas out there having to deal with perimenopause, likely at this age, but many of our moms are dealing with their sons entering or in puberty, which is kind of nature's irony, which is, oof. Cruel joke, Janet.
1: Cruel joke. Winona is a collection of OBGYN health professionals who believe that your symptoms are important, real, and deserve to be taken seriously. It's telehealth, you can access care from your home when it is convenient for you. Visit bywinona.com today to
0: start your free visit. We will be back to talk more about co-parenting after this message.
1: I used to think that my family would be better off without me. I wasn't suicidal, but I was, or at least I felt like a mess. I was frequently angry and irritable, and I thought that my family deserved a steady, competent wife and mom, which I was not at that point in time. I finally scheduled a counseling appointment And my life has now better in every way. Turns out that I wasn't incompetent. I was clinically depressed. And treatment has made all the difference in my life, Janet.
0: You know, Jen, this is so common. It happens situationally. It might be something that just is happening in our life, or it could be an underlying depression. It's so important to pay attention to this.
1: When I finally decided that I needed help, that this was beyond what I, I didn't know what else to do anymore. One of the things I found so challenging was trying to find a counselor, trying to find the right counselor and making time for appointments is not easy. And that's why I have been thrilled to discover BetterHelp. That's B-E-T-T-E-R, BetterHelp, H-E-L-P which is an online service that brings counseling to you.
0: Which is perfect right now. BetterHelp assesses your needs and matches you with your own licensed therapist. You can even indicate if you prefer a counselor of color, a gay therapist, or a religious or non-religious therapist.
1: And counseling sessions are available via video conferencing, or phone and you can also message your counselor at any time
0: you know your mental health and well-being is so important it's got to be a priority so don't delay and we've got a promo code for you on boys you'll receive 10 percent off your first month So check it out. Don't delay. Go to betterhelpcom slash onboys and you'll save 10% on that first month.
1: When I started counseling, it was all about trying to be better for my family and I'm better for my family, but guess what? I am happier and more fulfilled and that has been the true gift of it for me. Please reach out if you need help. So
0: Emma, what about co-parenting? In the time of self-isolating, this is about us protecting each other. And the harsher the
3: crackdown now, the shorter. I mean, the, it's there's nothing out there to contradict what I just said. There's no science. You
1: know, you're you're dead on about the science. You are dead on about the science. And our listeners and, and you, Emma, you know that I write about this stuff all the time. And. I too am co-parenting and my kids, you know, our agreement is they go back and forth 50% at each house. And my ex-husband does not um, feel as strongly, I think, about the need to socially isolate. And I've made a different decision than you have for right now. Now,
3: Thing. It's not just
1: my decision, right? Because there's two of you and you're both it, equal. Exactly. So that's part of it. Like there's two of us. I can't make that decision on my own to say I'm going to keep the kids or they can't yep. go to your place. So there's that. And the other thing is that we have very different circumstances. You know, I am still in rural Wisconsin where things haven't gotten as bad as New York. And I'm not saying that they can't and that we won't change things, but for right now I have made the decision that it's not worth getting into a huge, what would likely be a huge and traumatic fight with their dad over this. Yeah. And so they're going back and forth between two houses. Mm -hmm. Well,
3: there's a couple of things. Like one thing I would say is there's way, so people aren't going to agree. Courts are closed. And the courts are not helpful at all, right? The courts from, you know, state by state, they're like, it just defaults to your written agreement. So make some good decisions. Well, if people think they want to go to court, they probably can't be making good decisions between themselves. Right? And that's why they're going to court. <laughs> exactly. So well, and then, the, you know, lawyers, there's some great lawyers out there. A lot of them are like, woohoo, courts are closed, like $400, $300 an hour fees for us. So, um, you know, it's a mixed bag and it's very, it's absolutely not helpful to families. The courts are not, and the states are not. But again, I sympathize with them too, because our entire cultural social system, when it comes around parenting and separated families, is is so dysfunctional. So, just on a very practical matter, what I suggest to her family is, is if you guys absolutely are at a standstill, like at least minimize it. So, if you're used mm-hmm. to go, you know, going back and forth three times a week, the kids reduce it to once a week. If you're used to swapping off once every Sunday, then swap off every second swan- Sunday. The point is minimizing the back and forth. That's just a practical solution. Just because the courts are closed now doesn't mean there's not going to be a reckoning later. Right. So so mind your p's and q's you don't one you don't get to make outrageous uh unilateral decisions right there are two parents who are legally equal and i we would hope in the eyes of the courts we know they're not courts are very sexist and give preference to uh gen, women in general when it comes to these matters but we would like to rise above that and know that men and women are equal when it comes to parenting. So you can't just get away with like, oh well, I'm, you know, like I couldn't get away with just like being like, I don't really care what you want, ex husband, I'm taking the kids to Pennsylvania. That's that's not cool. At the same time, if you have a parent who is an essential healthcare worker, an essential worker, and one parent can be home, a judge may very well be like, that didn't make sense for public safety and for family safety. Mm -hmm. So Common sense rules. Now, we all know that when it comes to ex spouses mm-hmm. and co parenting, common sense is often not part of the equation, <laughs> which is why we bring in third party and not, and bringing a third party, meaning an expensive mediator or a lawyer, is a privileged person's game.
0: Yeah. yeah. So I want to like step away from pandemic land for a bit. That would be a nice relief. And a question that, that Jen and I have talked about a lot is you know we're all about boys here on boys and what what do you feel like single moms need to know about raising sons
3: well one he's not the man of the house
0: amen yeah he's not your little man no
3: they're they're children yeah And you know, it's interesting, I worry about boys. I do, I worry about boys very much as a feminist and my daughter's 12, total feminist, who's constantly challenging my lack of uh, of political correctness. (laughs) And, but I'm challenging hers too. It's interesting, my daughter goes to an all girls school, it's a public school in New York City, a couple of blocks from our house but it, there's a small network of these all girls schools, very interesting. And I had very mixed feelings about sending her there and it's been wonderful. Uh, she, it's, she's in her first year that I'm like, why do we have single, single gender schools? Like, help me, you know, let me get my brain around that, but we're, we're trying it out. It's been good. But you know, what does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be boy? What is masculinity? And I, I struggle with that. You know, I don't know. Um, my work, I very much identify as a feminist. Um, I'm, passionate about gender equality i'm often finding myself very much on the outside of like mainstream feminist movement because i uh you know governor cuomo as my big crush and um he had this great quote i have to dig it up just yesterday in his daily press conference and it was like at the fall of rome it was like you know people don't have freedom if they also don't take responsibility once you absolve yourself of responsibility you lose all freedom and if we apply this to the feminist movement, it's, it's interesting. We, you know, we want freedom from these gender roles, but we also have to take responsibility where we do have power, which is in, in the home around uh, children, child rearing. So if we go into family court for one single example, women are going to get primary time and power in the family. Even today, even though things are changing very quickly for the better, that is still the norm you know and at the same time we're making so many incredible positive strides in public sphere and career and government and academics and sports and so where where do boys fit into this right my son is growing up you know campaigning for Hillary watching me do my work watching his sister go to this amazing all-girls
1: school but there's no all, amazing all-boys schools mm. oh really yes um, One of the things that has been interesting to me because I've been a single parent of all boys and yeah. you know very involved in boy world is that there is this thread that's still very prevalent that suggests that a single mom cannot raise emotionally healthy boys and men that somehow being raised primarily by a woman will damage a male child and that infuriates me. And the science says that that's not true. The science (laughs) does say that, yes, dads are tremendously important. And I know you know that, Emma, and we've talked about it a lot on the podcast. Married, not married, ideally the father will continue to be involved in the child's life. And that is best case scenario. You also know it's not possible in every, for instance, and in in some rare cases, it's not desirable. And moms can still raise healthy boys. Yes, you want them to be exposed to and connected to males and females and other people outside of the family, but it's been done for generations. Oh, I mean, that's the thing. Like whole generations of men have been wiped
3: out by war, by plague, you know- By just abandonment, I mean in early uh, 1900s, and the New York City. This is just always tucked away in the back of my mind, and like the lower east side of New York City, you know, very working class, largely immigrant populations. And this was at the time of the Great Western Expanse, and men would just leave. Mm -hmm. They would go like, uh, you know, for buying cheap parcels of land and go the the uh, gold rush, and the entire there'd be. Pages and pages in the local newspapers of women looking for their their man men that wow. left. Again, calling out our white upper class white lady privilege here. There is whole generations of black men that are incarcerated.
0: Yes. Yes.
3: Or pet, largely petty uh, drug charges. Yep. Yeah. And uh, unfair trials. So yes it happens in mass as we are speaking but this calls out yes our our single moms screwing up our kids the question is not though the science that i as i understand it is not Single moms are screwing with ads. We can't keep blaming the moms. It's the lack of father involvement,
1: and the lack of father involvement. We can't be blaming the men. You know that. And that's a whole other thing. I've gotten into Twitter arguments, which I mean, we can talk about how wise that is or not. But I've gotten into Twitter arguments with people over that because I'm like, okay, so even if that's the case, what do you want the mom to do about it? Like- well, I'll tell you what that we want the moms to do
3: about it. So we need a whole systematic social change, and this is where I'm calling on women to. Rise to our higher selves. So I know I was raised. Well, I was raised by a single mom. I'm 43 years old for context at the time. So my parents were in the early 80s, getting divorced in mass, and this was all new. This is a social experiment. All these people getting divorced. How do you do that? Well, the early science around uh, separated families, back going back into the 50s and 60s, was this idea of the the uh, tender year doctrine. And it was early science. It was it done certainly with the best of intentions. And this idea that going back and forth between two homes was very traumatic for a child, and they really bonded primarily with one parent, which, of course, was the mom, because stay-at-home moms, I'm saying this in giant air quotes on air, is the best, which we could, that's a whole other episode why that's a fallacy is actually false. And what we need is working, uh, earning financially secure moms who are equal to men. That's really what the science suggests. So not suggests, but proves. Um, So the tender year doctrine. So that meant that the kids stayed with the mom and the dad. That's how the Friday night special, the every other weekend and Wednesday night dinner schedule came up. And that dates back to the 50s and 60s. And here we are in 2020. And there are 60 peer-reviewed articles that show that equally shared parenting is best. So, you know, we'll say 50-50 and we're living in the reality where it's going to be approximately half and half and the kids go back and forth. And why is that best for kids? For so many reasons. And the primary one is it keeps fathers involved. Because when we marginalize dads to the every other weekend dad, how is he going to bond with the kids? How, that signals to every single male in our entire society, not just divorced dads, not just kids of divorced parents, but every single male in our entire society that dads are not important. that dads, dads are a paycheck,
1: including to our boys. Our boys are paying mm-hmm. attention in internalizing and as are and our girls'
3: messages. Yeah, exactly, exactly. All of our children, every person in society
1: says, and
3: so as a result, that trickles into our popular culture, and all of a sudden, the father figure is. Homer Simpson, Al Bundy. My kids and I love watching Blackish, but you know what? All the dads, except for the grandpa, are all doofuses. The dad, he's great, and he's like a great dad and he's really nice, but he's like kind of an idiot. And this oldest teenage son is a total idiot. And then there's two twin kids, a boy and a girl. And the the girl is like the smartest kid in the whole family, 10 years old, and her 10-year-old twin brother is an idiot. And then we ask, we wonder why men are not stepping into full authoritative father roles alongside a full authority and they step out. They've been marginalized. They've been marginalized to a paycheck at a time when we're telling women that you step into the role as the breadwinner, as an equal mm-hmm. and professionally and financially and politically and everybody loses.
1: But
3: women everybody was- lose. So mm-hmm. on one hand, we have women. I was raised in this too. You, okay. You get divorced. Well, he needs to pay you because you're taking care of the kids. But you can go to college and have a career and you earn, right? So here it is, like take the man for all he's worth, but really the message is be financially dependent on the man. Go Mm -hmm. take his money, be dependent on his alimony and his child support, be dependent. But in order to do that, you have to be small, Mm
2: -hmm. right? You have
3: to pick a petty fight, drag yourself to court, and then you have to make sure you're earning little or documenting small amounts of income so that you qualify for this dependency. And then you're also incentivized to fight for majority time in court because most places or many places in this country, I know in New York City, if it is 50-50, then the higher earnings parent has to pay child support. So everybody is incentivized to get 51%, right? In parts of the country, it's a sliding scale. How many hours, how many overnights you have with the kids depends on how much you do or don't pay in child support or you do or don't get. It's It's very often tied to money. But that's not what it's about, right? Again, so we, the question is is it moms are not screwing up kids if the dad isn't around. The question is the question is how do we become equal parents? And this is if this is in our power women, what do we do? We say we say because we do have the power in family court. We say it is 50 fifty. and if he doesn't want it, why does he get a choice? Uh, no one uh-huh. asked me nobody asked me if I wanted to be majority parent.
1: That's a good point.
3: It's not, It's this is not a choose your own parenting adventure. Nobody asks the mom if it's convenient for her career, if it's convenient for her second relationship, if it's okay with her if she takes the kids 80% of the time. That's
1: a good point. Emma, I know that you do um, a lot to support single moms. So how can people find you and find some of your resources and support? Wealthysinglemommy.com.
3: Since this whole mess started, I, I started a single mom grant program. Uh, every week I give about 500 bucks, really quick little application. People need it. That's just what I'm up to right now. And Millionaire Single Moms Facebook group, everybody's welcome. It is really just a place to have real meaningful conversations and support. I mean, We talk about everything, business, money, dating, sex parenting, coronavirus, recipes, crockpots, all of
1: it. It may be highly vetted, but nobody is going to do a bank check to make sure that you meet that oh, million no. dollar cutoff to get in there first. No, 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 not at all. That's, that's the aspirational
2: element. Absolutely. There you go.
1: Emma, final words of encouragement and affirmation for single moms. What do you want to tell our single moms? Well, first of all, like you're hardly alone. The minority of
3: families with kids in this country now are the June Cleaver model, right? It's 67% of millennial moms have a kid outside of marriage. So we are the new norm. And it is on us to inform the rest of the world about what we're up to because we've been making ourselves small and fighting through all the social stigma for so long. It is just the era where we are the new normal. And I'll be honest with you, I think that single moms are often the envy envy of our married mom friends, right? We have the freedom, we have the autonomy, we can date and just like live these awesome lives, I think. It's such a beautiful
1: time for women. Thank you so much, Emma. That is so encouraging and so true. Good luck to you and your family. Thanks for this opportunity. Thank you. Thanks, Emma. It's impossible to raise boys alone. Join one or both of our Facebook groups. Jen is at Building Boys and Janet has Boys Alive. Ask questions, share your wins, get support when you need it. We'd love to have you join us. Thanks for joining us. We are Jennifer L.W. Fink and Janet Allison, and we are here to support you in parenting and teaching tomorrow's men.